saving money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com. For all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 367 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Presented by Overdrive, this is Adam by myself today. And we've got a little bit of a special episode for you today. We've got a Saturday release, if you're listening to this, on the day that it comes out. Today is the last of our special Together We Read uh, book club program episodes. So uh, this one is for our Canadian Together We Read program. So if you are listening in from Canada, hello. Thank you for taking a listen to this particular episode where we're going to be featuring the Together We Read author Julie Evelyn Joyce, who I interviewed about her book Steeped in Love, which is the Together We Read pick. Uh, What that means is if you're a Canadian listener, you can go to your library's Overdrive website or you can go into Libby and it will be the first book you see front and center on your library's website or in the Libby app. And from now through August 29th, you can borrow it without any wait lists or holds. You can enjoy this uh, really fun romantic comedy by Julie. And then you can go to togetherweread.com and you can join our discussion board where people from all around the country uh, are going to be joining in the conversation and chatting about this uh, really fun book. So um, that is basically what Together We Read is all about. Julie and I had a really fun time talking about romantic comedies, uh, Hallmark movies, her absolute love and unabashedly so uh, of Canada and just a whole bunch of great stuff. So if you are brand new to our podcast and hearing us for the first time because of t- the Together We Read program, hello, we're the professional book nerds. There's normally two of me. <laughs> I am the only one who is a part of this episode. But you can go to professionalbooknerds.com. That's our website. And you can subscribe uh, wherever you enjoy listening to your podcast, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, uh, just about anywhere else you can find podcasts. Uh, and if you do enjoy this episode, if you wouldn't mind going into wherever it is you listen to podcasts and give us just a quick five-star rating, that helps you find us just a little bit easier. Um, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at ProBookNerds. And I think that's the end of my commercial here. Uh, so had a lot of fun. Julie is uh, a really uh, a very uh, enchanting person to chat with. So I think you guys will... Enjoy this very special Together We Read episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Adam, and I'm really excited because today I am joined by Julie Evelyn Joyce, who's book Steeps in Love was chosen for the Canadian Together We Read program, which is similar to our worldwide Big Library Read program, which means that from August 15th through August 29th, uh, readers in the Canadian libraries who have Overdrive services uh, can go onto Libby or their Overdrive website and they can download Steeped in Love without any wait lists or holds. It'll be front and center on their website. And they can go borrow it, and then they can go to togetherreread.com and join our discussion board and go online and talk about it on Twitter and Facebook and all of these other things. So this is our Canadian version of Together We Read, which makes a whole lot of sense because Julie calls herself a proud Canuck on her website. So first off, Julie, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. 
I have to say, when you call yourself a proud Canuck, you really back it up with what has to be my favorite uh, author picture ever. You're, you have this, like, red, and, you know, Canada red uh, kind of blazer on with these, with the white, sort of like the maple leaf that everyone recognizes as sort of the, you know, Canadian flags. Like, where where did you find this perfect, flawless jacket? Oh, thank you very much. It's it's quite a conversation piece, but I, I found it on a site called Shinesty. Um, if you are a person who likes to be the center of attention and you like things with flair and like ridiculousness, go to this website. I am not paid by them, but I should be because I love all their stuff and <laughs> it's just amazing, amazing fun things. Um, and yeah, this jacket is kind of my go-to jacket when I go to conferences and I feel like I'm representing all of Canada with it on. <laughs> It's so good. And also, by the way, the the shinesty thing is a good note for me, because as the youngest of four who is constantly trying to get attention, I very much like being the center of attention. So I I am very appreciative. (laughs) Good. Head on over there. (laughs) Yeah, maybe they should be sponsoring both of us. Um, I guess. (laughs) So would you mind kind of giving our listeners an introduction to Steeped in Love? And then we'll kind of jump off into some topics from there. Sure, I'd love to. Uh, So Steeped in Love is my debut romance novel, and I I always struggle to kind of condense it as much as I can because it's, in my mind, it's such a a big, all-encompassing kind of story, but ultimately it's about a woman who has sort of tried every other dating alternative that exists in the world, trying to find the guy, and she is frustrated and tired and, and not making any progress. And uh, her great aunt, who is deceased, um, gave her her house as, as a gift. And one night she's sitting in this house and kind of uh, mulling over her life and the choices she's making. And she could swear that she hears the voice of her great aunt saying, look to the leaves, use the leaves, turn to the leaves. And this was something that they shared as she was growing up. This is something that her great aunt taught her. So she decides, okay, what have I got to lose? I'm going to use tea leaves as a way to to sift through potential suitors and see if I can find the one. And so she she uses similar methods of finding guys. So she'll She'll either uh, find them through newspaper ads or she'll find them through dating apps, but she always agrees to meet them at the same local coffee shop and then through that date decides via the tea leaves and the readings that she gets if they're worth pursuing. And meanwhile, there's a struggling novelist who sits at the same corner table every day in that same coffee shop who's eavesdropping on all these failed dates and wondering what the heck is wrong with this woman and what is wrong with all the guys who seem to be perfectly great, normal guys that she keeps dismissing them so quickly. So it's kind of a, a, it's definitely a romantic comedy, but it's also a, a story of finding yourself and looking deeper into things. So it's, it's more of, Instead of following the pattern of the leaves, she 
eventually realizes that she's been listening to her heart and her gut more than anything else. Um, and so the same is kind of true for the struggling author in this story. He thinks that he needs to write a book that hits the bestseller list and sound like all the stories that he thinks are, are the key books to success. And he stops listening to his own heart and his own voice and tries to emulate all these other successful authors. But when he finally starts listening to himself and his gut and what he wants most of all, that's when he starts to, to really see the story he wants to tell. There is so much to unpack in that description. Um, <laughs> first off, so the tea leaves part, is that something that you've kind of always had an interest in? Not really, to be honest. Um, <laughs> what, one of the things that I always strive to do as an author is to think outside the box because I think a lot of times as a reader of this genre and as a writer, I, I get a lot of people saying, well, some of the books all start to sound the same, and there's a lot of, like, cookie-cutter-type romances where they all have the same sort of trope that they follow. Uh, and everything, though it's well-written, it tends to kind of get repetitive after a while. So I always try to think of an idea that's either never been told before or come at it from a really different angle. So that's sort of where the idea developed, is that I wanted to pursue that online dating aspect of it because I have a lot, a lot of experience in that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also I wanted to do it in a way that it was different. It's it's not the usual, oh, I met this guy through a dating app or I, it's a blind date. It's not speed dating. It's not, you know, this the types of dating that we know in this day and age. It's something different entirely and so that's kind of where it came from, and I had to do a lot of research about it. Um, but it was enjoyable to me because I, I sort of learned along the way that, um, and and in doing my research, I I actually read a blog by a woman who is using tea leaves to sort of predict her life. Um, and one of the things she learned, and one of the things I I used in my book, was that it wasn't so much what she was seeing in the leaves. It was the way that she reflected on what she saw. So everybody might see something different. Everyone might see a different pattern. Will that impact you in any way? Will it change your life? Will you let it? Will what you see predict how you act the next time you meet that person or if you are even willing to meet that person again? So it's almost like letting your own self guide how you can relate to what you see. Um, so you start to think a lot more deeply about it. And it's not simply just a cluster of, of leaves at the bottom of the cup. It's so much more than that. I, so um, this, like, I, I, when you were mentioned about like trying to think outside of the box, I, I guess I'm curious like how the, the whole idea of, of tea leaves came up then. Because like to me... I can't imagine, it's so impressive because I can't imagine sitting down, like, wanting to write a, like, say, a, a YA novel 
and saying like I'm just pulling out of the top like a rabbit out of a hat being like I'm gonna use a Ouija board like I just what, <laughs> I'm just like curious like where the initial idea where you're like were you having a cup of tea or did you just did you realize that <laughs> there weren't any stories that started like this <laughs> no, no actually I to be perfectly honest I I don't drink much in the way of hot beverages at all um <laughs> But my critique partner, who has been with me from the beginning of when I first set out to write stories, and, and I actually started writing fan fiction before I, I wrote anything else in, in the style of Gilmore Girls, mm-hmm. um, and she and I met through that, and we've been friends for well over a decade now, and writing almost that long together, and every story that we've ever written has been passed between each other we are each other's like number one feedback person um and so it was just one night we were having a brainstorming session and I was trying to figure out what I was going to write next because I was in a, a weird place I I had put out some short stories with a small press and that press disbanded and I was thinking am I going to continue writing in that genre, which is originally I, I was writing erotic romance, or was I going to kind of reinvent myself and try something different and write on, under my actual name instead of a pen name? Um, so as I was thinking about how, how I would reinvent myself, we were thinking about, okay, well, what's my first big story going to be? And it just came about through our conversations. She was talking about the coffee shop aspect and then I thought okay the eavesdropping thing and then both of us were big fans of an author named Sarah Addison Allen who has a lot of magical touches in her books and they ask the reader to suspend their disbelief and so as we were thinking about that kind of a a mindset this idea with the tea leaves sort of just popped out of nowhere and it, it gave that whole vibe of of suspending your disbelief, giving something different to your typical date. What is it outside of just do I like this person or not that could force a person or or encourage a person to decide if they're the right person for me? There has to be something bigger at force here. And so that's just sort of how it naturally load out of the conversation and I I owe that idea definitely to her for that creative energy that she brought into that brainstorming session Uh, so in talking about romantic comedies because you mentioned earlier about how a lot of them can follow the same beats and, and hit the same marks but despite that you know whether you know books are feel repetitive or not romantic comedy remains such a a widely read a book genre and then also you know if you go on places like Netflix and everywhere there's romantic comedies all over the place so what mm-hmm. is it do you think about romantic comedies that keep people coming back even if sometimes like you said a lot of them can feel formulaic I think especially in this day and age everybody is just looking for that release and life seems ever more complicated and it's busy, it's hectic. Even with all this technology that we have, it seems like our lives are even busier and more stressful because of it. Uh, and I think 
with our political climate and with the environmental crisis that's going on and all these other things that are happening in the world that are beyond our control. Everybody just needs to sit back and laugh. We all need to find something that brings a smile to our face. And I think that's probably the biggest reason why people are are reaching out to that genre. But it's also, I find that romantic comedies, you don't really have to think too hard. It's not like a complex plot. It's not something that requires a massive amount of thought. You just sit back and you enjoy the story as it unfolds. And it's something that's different and fresh and and fun each time. You're always going to find something that makes you laugh. And to me, more than anything else, when I'm reading a book, if I read a book that brings a smile to my face or makes me laugh out loud a couple times, then that's something that's going to last and and be a memory for me. And I'll, I'll go back to that book and read it again just to get that feeling back. It's so funny you say that. That's basically the exact reason my wife describes why she likes watching like the Hallmark Christmas movies, because uh, <laughs> that's exactly what I, like she said to me I, after watching like the seventh straight one in seven days. She was like, <laughs> I under I, I was just laughing. I was like, What is it about these that you like so much? And she's like, You meet the characters really quickly, and I can know for a fact like, All right, well that girl is gonna end up with that guy. And those two are going to get together, and those are the quirky friends, and it makes me super happy that I can just sort of, like, be along for the ride. Exactly, yes. It's just that form of escape that everybody needs, and you just let it wash over you. It's a great feeling. So have you always been a a fan of these kind of stories? Like, did you grow up reading romance as well? I I did, actually. Um, I'd say the first real book that stole my heart or series of books was the Anna Green Gables series. Mm-hmm. Um, as a Canadian girl, I mean, that was a big one for me. And uh, I, I just fell in love with the characters and, and the quirky cast who rooted for this red-haired, little, feisty, fanciful orphan girl. They just, they wanted her to have every success in life. And nothing ever stood in her way and and the only thing really that did stand in her way was her rivalry with Gilbert Blythe who was so dreamy to me (laughs) (laughs) I'm still I'm still looking for my own Gilbert um but I I fell in love so hard in love with those two together as as the romance blossomed but also for I fell in love with Anne because she was just the type of girl who had every intention to surpass every obstacle that stood in her way that she she was determined to achieve every dream that she had and she wasn't really into the romance thing at first because she just wanted to be a success she wanted to look after herself and and achieve all these goals but it it just hit her along the way and so that's something that kind of carried with me as I grew up and as I started to think more about writing my own romances the type of romances that just happen because you can't help it like you you just can't escape them anymore um one of the other things that I I've talked about in the past is 
that uh, my mom had quite a collection of romance novels in her own personal library she tucked away and of course I discovered those as every young girl does and <laughs> so I, I would rifle through those secretively when I could and and as I grew up that became much more of a conversation piece between my mother and I and, and we'd talk about romance books that we were reading and compare the two and and she'd always laugh when I I thought I'd, I'd discovered a new author who'd been around before I was born and it was just like it was a, a really fun time for us to just talk about them and and share our our book boyfriend crushes and <laughs> and all that kind of thing um uh unfortunately my mom passed away a, a few years ago but she was a, a big force behind this book and I actually started writing this book because of my mother because I I always wanted to write a novel and she was the one that more than anyone else believed that I could and she always told me that she wanted to see me write something under my actual name not a pen name and that she could shut it from the rooftops and share it with family and just make it such a, a special thing and about two months into the process she passed away unexpectedly and and I didn't let that deter me though of course it derailed me for a while but if anything else it also served as a huge motivation because I knew more than ever I needed to share it so I could use it as a gift to my mother and, and share it with the world and, and dedicate it to her because I wouldn't be here without her I have to tell you, a few things, are, as an aspiring writer myself, I feel like few things are more um, motivating than the idea of not being able to finish a book. To let It's almost like I'm more worried about letting down my mom than I am about like showing oh, yeah. her the finished project. And she would never feel that way, but it's almost like kind of like you said, like I, my mom as well is like sort of the same thing. She's like, I want you to publish a book so I can like share it with the world. And like internally, yeah. I appreciate that. But like also internally, I feel like I'm like, okay, well, that's some a, a accidental added pressure, mom. Just, you know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, if, I, I, I am very grateful though for that support and the encouragement that she provided. And it was such an, a wonderful feeling for me to finally have my book out there in the world because it, it really did feel like that was the ultimate tribute that I could give to my mom. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm very happy with that. Well, and I think, um, you know, my mom taught third and fourth grade for uh, 40 years before she retired. And because of that, like she was also an avid reader and she, you know, kind of got me hooked. I feel like having that ability, like you mentioned to not only read the books that your mom read and, um, have that shared passion, but having those frequent conversations, that's something that my mom and I still do to this day as well, as we are constantly talking about the books that we've been writing, like we've been reading. I, I feel like that had to be a big motivating factor to kind of want you, you know, personally to, to write, whether it was fan fiction or under your own name or short stories, like having that ability to know that there's someone just as passionate as you that, that feels the same way. Mm-hmm, exactly. And, you know, every book that I read along the way served to motivate me in, in its own way, too. And, you know, I, I read books by 
the most well-renowned authors in the industry. And I've read books by, by new authors, and I've read books in, in most every genre of romance. Uh, and, and each book hits you differently and, and inspires mm-hmm. you in a different way. Um, and, and while I was writing this book, I had other books on the go that, that were serving as a, a different kind of inspiration. And, and I did, I mentioned Sarah Addison Allen as kind of that magical influence, but also uh, authors like Kristen Higgins with her, her comedic flair. Those are always voices that I hear that are kind of encouraging me with those comedic scenes. So there's, there's a lot of everything that comes from your background and, and, you know, there's a lot of my mom in this book. There's a lot of my critique partner. There's a lot of just what I've learned growing up in, in this world. And, and as a, a fairly new writer, but every little thing I learn along the way, I, I, I keep in mind and, and I try to continue to learn and grow as I continue this journey. Uh, well, and, and, Speaking of kind of putting things of your own life in there, you know, I mentioned my mom being a teacher for so long. You're a teacher as well, correct? I am, yes. So, I mean, I... compared to teaching, you know, little, like, you know, younger, you know, human beings, writing has to feel easy by comparison. <laughs> um, most days, yes. Um, I, I teach teenagers. I'm a high school phys ed teacher. Uh, so I, I sometimes joke and say the hardest part of my day is to go through an entire seven hour stretch of time without strangling one of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I, I adore the students that I teach. I love my job. I think it's the most important job in the world. And I think I, I take it very seriously, and I, I and I I appreciate that I have this opportunity, um, and I I really do feel like when I'm teaching, that's that's one part of my personality, and that's one way of really um, getting a, a bunch of inspiration. And then the writing is kind of the other side of my brain, that more uh, the creative sort of quiet side of me so I'm a, I'm a very like loud and proud Canuck you know like, <laughs> that's that's true and I I'm loud with my gym voice I'm loud and I'm really outgoing when I'm teaching and I'm just like go 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 and then the writing is kind of the introverted side of me which mm. doesn't show itself very often but I think every author has those tendencies just because and most authors tend to be mostly introverted because it's such a solitary sort of job but with me I I get to sort of embrace both sides of my personality as the teacher and as the writer and the sequel that I'm working on right now called Learning to Love it's set in a school and it's really giving me a chance to infuse the teacher side of me and the school environment into my writing and I've been having so much fun with it because it's it's just the most natural thing for me to to write about the thing I'm most passionate about. Well I have to imagine that you know one of the things especially teaching teenagers and remembering my teenagers as well um, you know 
it takes a lot of patience to deal with that many teenagers, especially. So I have to imagine, you know, one of the biggest things about writing is the discipline to sit down and, and do it, but also the, the patience to sort of sometimes let the story come to you and not get frustrated with it. Like I have to imagine without really even realizing it, you're probably, you know, using the, that practice patience and, and calm that you have to kind of keep within yourself while teaching teenagers. I have to imagine that helps a little bit with the writing process. Oh, yeah, I think it, it definitely helps. I And I will be the first to admit I'm not a fast writer, simply because I I really like to think about what I'm writing, and I, I tend to do a lot of self-editing as I write. I, I've never really been a, like, get in the flow and keep the flow and just go, go, go kind of writer. I, I'll, I'll type a, a few hundred words, and then I'll read through it, and I'll I'll tighten it and I'll strengthen it and I'll move on. And that's just the style that I have and, and it's working for me. So I'm going to keep doing it that way. But uh, definitely what you said with the patience bit, that's true. And also in when it comes time to edit, uh, I, I was talking to my editor the other day actually about this, how when I finally did have my book in a place that I was ready for it to be edited, uh, and she came back to me with a, a, a phenomenal critique and all kinds of different advice and suggestions. And then we had a Skype session about it. And then I spent the next two months going over it and cutting chunks of writing and adding scenes and rearranging scenes. And I ended up adding over 6,000 words to my manuscript. So it was a process, but I didn't rush it because that's you know that's your baby this is my book baby you know it's 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 precious to you and i i wanted again with the whole mom thing happening like i wanted it to be as perfect as possible so i really did spend a lot of time maybe more than other authors and certainly maybe more than authors who are on deadlines to make it as perfect as i could and I'm really happy that I had that time cushion. And, and when I sent it back to her, she told me how she appreciated that I did take that time and that I really paid attention to all of the suggestions and the advice that she gave me. And she said it was like night and day, the, the two manuscripts. So that definitely draws in the patience part of me. And... I'm also kind of a, a perfectionist in some ways, too, and, and I think that comes a little bit, ties in with the, the teaching part of me and, you know, wanting to appear so professional in front of the students and, you know, you want to have that same professionalism in what you're putting out to the world. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. That's really, really interesting. So um, towards the end of our episodes we like to do what we call the nerd nine which is just kind of nine light-hearted questions not that anything i asked you previously was super heavy um but <laughs> it was so heavy oh my yeah God. i know you could i could just hear the strain in your voice <laughs> uh so the first one is what is the last book you finished reading uh the last book i finished reading actually i'm, I'm Partway through a book, does that count? Yeah, sure. I'm, we can. I'm can almost count. through. <laughs> sure. Um, so the book I'm currently reading actually is uh, 
called The Long Weekend by Mimi Flood. And she was one of my finalists in the Kobo Writing Prize that I just won mm-hmm. uh, a, a few weeks back or a couple weeks back. Uh, yeah, she was one of the finalists in my category. And I made a, a, a mention on Twitter one day that I, I planned on reading all of my fellow finalists' books. And I haven't gotten around to all of them yet, but that's something that I'm really determined to do. And, and so she was the first stop, and I'm, I'm really enjoying her story. So that's the book that I'm almost finished right now. <laughs> sure, that works. Um, do you have a favorite place to read? Favorite place? Well, I tend to mostly read in the comfort of my bed. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because I I do most of my writing there too. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I really like my bed. Okay, that you know um, what that where you spend a lot of time in it. You should like it. That makes sense. Yeah, exactly. So I, I it just tends to be something that I do when I I'm ready to wind down at the end of the day, and um, usually like the last forty five minutes or hour of my day before I go to bed, I like to pick up a book and and just escape for a while Mm -hmm. uh you kind of mentioned this before but do you remember the book that made you fall in love with reading as a kid yeah Anna Green (laughs) Gable um (laughs) Um, yeah go ahead oh well I was just gonna say yeah I I mean I talked about it already at length but yeah that there was just something very special about as a Canadian girl but also as a girl who grew up in a small town and I was really able to connect with the characters and it's still on my bucket list to get to PEI one day and tour the the different areas that they have dedicated to Anne Shirley and the <laughs> series. <laughs> um, so actually, along those lines, I have uh, my next question is, what's one place you'd like to travel that you have not yet been to? <laughs> I think I've seen questions in advance. I was going to say, I was like, it's like you know what I'm going to ask you. <laughs> oh, well, that's definitely one place. Um, another place I I desperately love to go is Austria and Switzerland, and that comes from the the girl who adores the sound of music. Uh-huh. And <laughs> that's one of the other romances that I grew up with, and I remember just I would as soon as I discovered that movie, I'd come home every single day from school. And just, like, watch the gazebo scene when they're kissing. (laughs) And rewind and rewind and rewind and watch it again. I just loved it. And I've always, always loved the romance that comes from books and movies and and TV shows. Like, that's the ultimate amazing part of all those things to me. Uh, That's amazing. Uh, Do you have a favorite holiday to celebrate? Favorite holiday? Well... Other than my my birthday, if that counts, um, <laughs> <laughs> I make a big deal of birthdays. I'm just one of those people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I really love Christmas. That's always a very special time of year for me. And um, if I can do a little plug here, yeah. um, the the third book in my series is actually going to be a Christmas themed romance. So uh, I'm really looking forward to writing that when the time comes. And I just it's just such a magical time. It's it's one of those times of year where it seems like everybody is just kinder and everybody <laughs> seems 
to say hello and look up and, and appreciate the magic of the world around them. And, you know, if you could take away a little bit of the snow, that would be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, you said you weren't much of a hot uh, drink person, but are you, would, if you had the choice, coffee or tea? Uh, I would say tea because coffee and has too much caffeine and I clearly don't need it. So. <laughs> that is totally fair. Uh, cats or dogs? Oh, that's tough. I grew up with lots of cats, like cats that were wild that we sort of just adopted into our family. Um, however, as a grown woman now, I desperately, desperately, desperately want a puppy and I know that I'm not capable of looking after one, so I just kind of, I'm looking for someone who will, like, adopt one that I could come visit every day. <laughs> well, if you come to Cleveland, I have two of them, so you can come see mine. Okay, it's yeah. a date. This has happened a lot with authors. I have either shown them pictures of my dogs or told them about them, and they immediately are like, yep, I'm actually going to come to Cleveland. So one time I feel like I'm just going to have, like, 20 authors just show up, like a little, like a little pup party. <laughs> That would be amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you have a favorite food? Peanut butter. Does that count? Yeah, that counts. I was saying you sounded unsure of yourself. <laughs> well, uh, well, I just don't know. If, like sometimes people think when you think favorite food, it needs to be something more substantial. But like I would eat a whole jar of it, which is substantial. Yeah. Oh, listen, absolutely. Yeah. Listen, it's your favorite food. So I, I, someone has told us kale before. Like, listen, there's no judgment on these what? answers. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, what? there was, there was some judgment when they said their favorite <laughs> thing was kale. That's, that's fair. Um, I would, I would like kale more if it was smothered in peanut butter. <laughs> like kale chips that you can dip in like peanut butter and Nutella or something like that. Yes, that needs to be a thing. Um, and then last one of these. If you could have dinner with one person, alive or dead, who would you pick? Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's oh, that's a toughie. I've thought about this before, but my answer always seems to change. I mean, of course, the natural response would be my mom. I'd love to be able to have another conversation with my mom, but if we're... If we go the celebrity route, I would probably have to say Ellen DeGeneres. Ooh, that's a good I just, one. I just love her, and I've always had a massive amount of respect for her as a person, as a humanitarian, and a, a wonderful role model for young and old people. And this is a little side note, but I danced with Ellen on national television. What? Uh-huh. Back in 2007, there's a YouTube video, True Story. Um, <laughs> what, I, like, were you on the, the show? Like, how did this... You can't just leave us off with that. <laughs> I was in the audience. Um, she had... She had just finished doing her opening monologue, and back then she used to put on some music, and she would go up and down the aisles and she'd pick like one or two people in the audience and, and dance with them. Oh yeah. So that's what ended up happening is that she came up my aisle and everyone else is just like sticking their hand out for a high five. And I'm like in the aisle, like standing in the middle of it, like ready to just jump on her or something. I don't even know what I was doing. Um, and she just started dancing with me and 
I remember nothing after that except <laughs> being glad that I didn't pass out or do something else really awkward. But yeah. Oh, man. It was, yeah, it was so crazy and amazing. That is amazing. Okay, last question for you. <laughs> what do you hope readers take away from reading your book? Oh, that's a doozy. Um, to be perfectly honest, the the thing I most care about when my readers put down a book is if they felt that I I gave them a a really positive experience. If they're left with a smile on their face, if they have any sort of feeling like this could happen to me, a feeling of hope more than anything else that you can be in this world and, and good things and bad things can come your way, but ultimately something great is going to come along and you're the, the person that you're meant to be with is out there. And if I can give them that sense that, you know, anything is possible for those who believe, then that's kind of the ultimate goal. That is perfect. Julie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.